evening, everyone, and welcome back um, to our second episode of Judge and Jury. This is Dylan Moore, and I am joined with... Jury Jumlon. And where do you live, Jury? 123 Jury Jumlon Street. Good job, Jury. Yeah, do I get a cookie? No. Well, why, why did I do that? <laughs> Were you about to say the F word? Were you no, dropping F bomb? No, I just said... Fuh. Back to you, Jury. Okay, and I have, I've made a few notes so we don't forget anything at the start here. Uh, we can start off by plugging that we run a lovely Tumblr called FriendlyMulligan.tumblr.com. It's, it's a wonderful place. Yep, we co-host it. Uh, we post about random stuff. Like last weekend, I did a cube and I, I drafted Esperox. And I think we're going to have a cube podcast next week. Yeah, it'll, our next one will probably be cube. We're kind of having a, a spur-of-the-moment uh, topic this week because it's gaining in popularity. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit, I guess. Uh, we can move on to our wonderful Galaxy Games plug. We are in the lovely downtown Deland, Florida, and the wonderful Galaxy Games, who is kind enough to host us. We are here, not on our normal F&M, actually. No. Uh, we're here before a special event. And what event is that, Dylan? Uh, the event that doesn't really have a proper name. I, I think, don't know. I think Tra- Tavis said it was Vintage Vintage. Vintage Vintage. That's a good name. I think that's what he named it. Vintage okay. Vintage. So... And we'll talk. Is, we'll we'll uh, have him okay. on the show. Yeah. We, that'll take a little while to explain. We can do that when we have him after the cut, right? Hopefully. And I guess we'll do a brief overview of everything we're talking about today. Today is Popper Day. Yeah, Popper. Popper is great. We're gonna get into a little bit of depth about Popper. Mm-hmm. And that'll be really exciting. And then yeah, of course we'll do our normal break, and we'll come back with a guest. Hopefully, it will be Tavis who is hosting this lovely event we're at today. But we'll see about that. <laughs> So, do you want to tell us a little bit about popper, Jerry? What is what makes a popper? Uh, so, the the more popular format we're going to talk about is popper, pop, like popper itself. Yeah. Um, there's another called standard popper, which is basically standard legal popper, but we're going to talk about just popper, popper right now. Yep. Um, popper is, as it sounds, or as it would imply, is something about cheapness. Basically, here every card that's been printed at common is legal in this format. So, so anything ever printed common, even if it was rare once, if it was common anytime, it's legal in the set. And that that leads to some interesting decks. We end up the the format looks uh, just like a, a poor man's vintage is what I like to call it. Yeah, and the, the great thing about Popper is that there the format is just so wide. Like it has the card availability of these eternal formats like uh, vintage and like legacy. And also with, like, just incredibly cheap options. I think most, like, even the most expensive Tier 1 popper decks don't cut more than $60. Oh, yeah. It, the, the you'd be hard deck. to break the bank at 100 maybe. And, and there are some cards that have, like, limited printings. But you're never going to get a deck that's more expensive than that. Because you're not paying for lands, which tend to be the most expensive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the best thing about the popper format that we can all agree is that Brainstorm's legal. Uh... Right? Any format where we can have Brainstorm as sort of the bar for power level is okay. I mean, I don't know. You draw three cards. That seems... Three. One blue mana. Yeah. I'm not going to say that that should be... I don't know how I feel about Brainstorm. Brainstorm is... It's a sweet magic card. It's it's a magic card, and it's pretty good. And you don't don't get to run fetch lands to get your perfect Brainstorms. You get to run Evolving Wilds. Evolving Wilds, man. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, I guess we can talk about the legality. 
So as we said, every card ever printed at Common is legal with just a few exceptions, and those are Cloud Post, Cranial Plating, Empty the Warrens, Frantic Search, Grape Shot, Invigorate, and Temporal Fissure. So you see kind of a pattern here. A lot of these are Storm cards. Obviously, probably a bit too powerful for the format. Uh, cranial plating. And then, yeah, we have <laughs> cranial plating. Cranial pl in a format where the artifact lands are legal, you might not want to have cranial plating. It could uh, be a bit powerful. Cranial plating. Yeah, I. The the popper affinity decks can run the entire set of uh, yeah. artifact lands. Which, if you're not familiar with them, they're the basic land. Artifact. Not basic. Well, they're not basic. But yeah. They're just like artifact planes. Yeah. And you can you just run all five of those yeah. and just have an insane nut affinity deck. Twenty twenty just artifact lands in your deck? Sure. My land base is artifacts. Yeah. Seems fine. Uh, I think Invigorate was banned because of an In fact, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Invigorate can make that kind of nuts. And uh, what are we missing? Cloud post. So just too powerful of a 12-post deck in the format, I guess, with Cloud Post. Things can get a bit out of control. But yeah, those are the, like, that's, what, seven cards that are banned out of probably thousands that are legal? Yeah, I mean, if we think about this and how sets are constructed, how many, like, there are, like, 50-ish rares and then, like, 12-ish mythics in a large set? And yeah. It's 250 cards of, like, 200... How many... What's the breakdown between commons and uncommons? Oh, it's, like, 200, 150 commons, depending on if it's a large or a small set. Yeah. And then, like, 50 to 100 uncommons. Like, I know the, the big shaker recently was Gurmog Angler. Like, yes. a very unassuming delve 5-5 five, five zombie fish. Like, what's the worst that could happen? But in a format where you have great cantrips, like Brainstorm, and you're starting to look a lot like Legacy, a 5-5 five, five for one black, well, you found a new win condition for your deck. Turns out the delve cards are pretty good. Turns out when you're... I don't think yeah. any format not playing a delve card. Wizards might have underestimated how good some delve cards were, as we might have been seeing with multiple bannings recently. Jury, what's, how do I play Popper? If I wanted to build, build a deck of these common cards, what would, what would be the best way to do that? Um, typically, the largest Popper scene is online through Wizards' official MCGO client. God bless it. And all of its faults. <laughs> uh, that's where the largest gathering of players are. Um, it, it, it helps that it, you can just pick up and play it at any time. Yeah. Um, but if you're interested in Popper, you should ask about it in your local game store. Yeah, ask yeah. Ask if you can maybe have an event one day. I know we uh, Galaxy Games for a short amount of time was hosting Popper, and those were a blast because it's like, oh, I have this stack of commons that I've uh, that I've opened from these standard sets. What do I do with them? You build a sweet deck, is what you do. You build a really cool deck. Like at that time, that was we played Innistrad Ravnica Popper. Yes, I guess it was. I, was, I think I was running Viachino First Blaze. It, it was like Boros Weenie. <laughs> and I got to run Delver of Secrets. <laughs> so. Blue just eternally wins the power struggle, as we can see. A little bit of a discrepancy in power there. But yeah, as Jerry said, the, the, the wide availability and the ease of finding opponents on Magic Online has made it a, a sort of breeding ground for Popper. It's, it's insanely popular, and if you want to build a Popper deck, you probably run you something like 20 or 30 tickets. I know it. Yeah, I think Esper Familiar was like 30 tickets. Yeah. 
That was that's a tier one deck. Oh yeah, like easily, maybe even the best deck in the format. Yep. And I guess we can we can go on to talk about a few of the the big role players in the popper format. You wanna. Let's start with Esper Familiar, because that's sure. a pretty interesting deck. Did you you know about this deck? Yes, I've, I've read about it. Um, I can't say that I've ever tried like goldfishing or playing the deck. It's beautiful. It's I, I like it. It's, I, it's kind of high tide-ish, if you've ever played a high tide legacy deck, because it makes your spells cheaper. What you're looking to do is get a bunch of your familiar cards out, Nightscape Familiar, Sunscape Familiar... And these will make all of your cards cheaper, and then you just start basketing cards with things like uh, Mnemonic Wall, Seagate Oracle, Ghostly, and yeah, the the really the punch of the deck is Ghostly Flicker. Yeah, so with Ghostly Flicker, you can target, say, your Mnemonic Wall, and then um, what's the one that untaps your lands? Uh, Cloud of Fairies. Cloud of Fairies. Yeah. So, if, assuming you have a couple of Nightscape Familiars out, maybe it costs two, maybe it costs just one blue. Yeah. You, you flicker the wall, you flicker the Cloud of Fairies. On resolution, the wall comes back, mm-hmm. and you can get back Ghostly Flicker and untap your lands and just end up producing infinite mana. Yeah, so you net a mana every time you do it and end up with infinite mana eventually. And with infinite mana, there's, um, there's quite a few things you can do. Yeah. I think the... One other win condition is the Sage Rose Denizen. Yeah, the, the wonderful the Sage's Rose Denizen role player of, of uh, Gate Crash, I guess it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you're not familiar with the Denizens, they all had... It was a cycle of cards, and mm-hmm. I, I played the white one. I played oh, the white God. one in standard. What did the, what did the white one do? When a whenever, whenever a white creature enters the battlefield, you may tap target creature. Oh, man. So was it like a, a three-mana 2-2? Two, two? Yeah, it was a three-mana 2-2. Oh, two, the two. value I on know, a right? three-mana 2-2. Two, two. I know. Um, so Sagero is is similar. It's the blue one in the cycle, and basically whenever another blue creature enters the battlefield, target opponent puts the top two cards of the library into the graveyard? Top two cards. Okay. So eventually you'll win. Yes. With the, the flicker off the ghostly flicker, because they're entering the battlefield. It's This deck is sweet, and it's interesting that a combo deck can thrive and even maybe be the best deck in the format in Popper. Yeah, I think the one issue with this deck that I hear is that on... on MTGO, mm-hmm. it's kind of difficult to play because there's oh, just so sense. many clicks involved. Yeah. Okay, moving right along. Probably not going to go through all of these decks. So what deck should we talk about next, Jerry? Um, well, Burn Infinity seems straight, straightforward, so let's try to talk about the Mono Black Control. Deck is excellent. I actually really like this deck list, I'm not going to lie. It's it's very uh, reminiscent of the Theros standard uh, mono black deck. Uh, yeah, to, like let's just say that there, there's our good friend, Great Merchant Asphodel. Gary, you have been missed. Yeah, four of. Just a casual four of. Remember when this card just dominated standard? Yep. Just absolutely. <laughs> As someone who played aggro, it would be yeah. a turn four desecration demon into a turn five great merchant. I'm, I was out. I was out of that game at that point. There's no coming back from great merchant. Great Who would have thought that Gary could go so far? A f- like a five mana two four creature. Yeah, the the, the text that's relevant. Here. Oh yeah, like the text is what does it because gaining a life and well basically draining your opponent for each of your black devotion is just yeah. It turns out to be nuts when black is the color that runs the multiple mana symbols. Yep. Um, here we see the what we mentioned earlier, two Gurmag Anglers, because, mm-hmm. you know, a 5-5 five, five for 1, 2, 3 yeah. is pretty good. Turns out. And you have your early game with your beautiful Kambaj Witches. 
I don't actually even... What does that card do? You've not heard of Kuambaj uh, Witches. Kuambaj, I think it's pronounced. All right, continue. It's basically a, a prodigal pyromancer. Okay, okay. But your opponent gets to choose something to deal one damage to as well. Like, I know you're looking uh, at that wall of an- ancient text on the card right now. Yeah, the, I don't <laughs> deal with the old non-standard text so well. Yeah, but the, the important thing is it's, it's only two mana, and it's two black mana, so you get two black devotion early in the game. Oh, yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, and then you can just ping down Affinity's Threats, ping down a Delver... Ping down the, the very relevant X ones in the format. Mm-hmm. And I guess, so for removal, what do we have removal-wise comments? Because you'd be surprised. Like, I'm, I'm interested in this. Like, the suite in all of Magic's history of, of black removal that's been printed at common is actually pretty good. Like, you, you start out with two disc I see disfigure, and I, I, disfigure is pretty good. Yeah, like, just that close to being a black lightning bolt. Card is excellent. And then, really big in the format are Edicts. Yeah, I, I've noticed that a lot. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate because it kind of pushes out Boggles-type decks out of the format. Cause, yeah. Because Boggles is, is a uh, common, right? Yeah. So you could you could run a Boggles enchantment deck. Yeah, but, but you just don't see it because like Edicts are rampantly popular, to be honest. And like in my limited time playing the format, I found that's because like the only other things that reliably kills big creature would be a Doomblade. But a Doomblade yeah. isn't going to kill a Gurmog Angler. Yeah. So how do I kill my opponent's Gurmog Angler? You Edict it. Edicts seem fine. Yeah. Uh, for Edicts, they're running Chainer's Edict, as well as Geth's Verdict, a beautiful, beautiful Edict. And then a little bit of draw power with Sign and Blood. I like to see Victim of Night here. And I Victim like of Night. That it's, it's re- I like that it's always, the text is just like never relevant. Hey. It's just basically hey. kill a creature. Zombie fish. Okay, alright. And there was that one time when I was playing Commander and I had Victim of the Night against a black-red vampire deck and I couldn't kill anything. <laughs> oh wow, this does nothing. Yeah, it does, but for the most part it's basically just destroy target yeah. creature. I, like, it's funny because the text on this card is either completely irrelevant or the most important text on any magic card ever. <laughs> yep. It's never anywhere in between. But yeah, like it's it's pretty premium removal. The fallback, of course, being the non-zombie clause. Yeah, not hitting Gurmag Angler seems like a big format. A yeah. A big problem in this format. Our favorite zombie fish. Yep. And then finishing out with one Snuff Out. I don't even know what Snuff Out is. We got a reader. <laughs> Basically, it's it's free if you control the swamp, but you have to pay for life, and it's a Doomblade. Okay, okay. Yeah, Mono Black Control is, is definitely a sweet deck. And I think in the interest of time, do you have any closing remarks on Popper? Um, not really, but if you're interested in it, you should definitely check it out. Um, mm-hmm. I believe there's a Popper subreddit where they have a thread asking, hey, what decks do you play in other formats? We'll help you find the Popper deck yeah. for you. And, so. like, really it just seems to have a very strong and dedicated community, which seems to be something that keeps the format going. It's not obviously nearly as popular as standard, but the community that plays it really enjoys it. Yep, and they're, they definitely seem definitely... I said definitely twice. They definitely, they definitely, definitely, definitely helping get other people definitely. into the format and assisting them and getting them into decks that they would enjoy playing. Would you say they definitely do? Yeah, I would actually. Okay, that's good. Beautiful. Okay, and uh, we're gonna finish off today with our last segment, which is the wonderful rules questions for jury. Uh, jury, you're currently what two for three on the questions? I am two for three. Okay. Well. 
Don't look at the screen anymore. Right, You're done right, looking at the right, screen. Look at but the still screen. talking to the microphone somehow. Right, I will try my best to talk to the microphone and not look at the screen. Okay, good. Um, today we are doing our wonderful judging at regular document topic. So all of these questions uh, come off of or could be answered from the judging at regular document, which is sort of an overview of how to judge at local events, how to judge at your FNM, more low-key things. Luckily, I failed all these questions in the practice exam, so let's go. Yeah, we're going to see if, if Jerry has brushed up enough. Have you looked at the jar? I have not had time oh, to look God, at the Jerry. jar yet. You're dead. You're I'm dead so in the sorry. water. We'll see. Your record's the, the, going downhill. The regular, I can kind of if out. Like, I, I might be able to do the regular Ariel stuff. Okay. Uh, where do we start? Okay. So for your easy question. Yes. You're judging at an FNM. You're wearing a fancy tie and shirt. Why am I wearing a fancy tie and shirt? Because you're judging at an FNM, and you like to look sharp. Don't ask questions. All right, all right, all right. You're called over. You get a judge question. A player has seen an extra card in their library. They were told to scry one and accidentally scryed two. How do you resolve this situation? Uh, well, darn it. This is the easy question, I know. Jerry. I know. This, is, this isn't voting well. Let me think about this. So they scryed two instead, right? Yes. And they've seen both cards? Yes. I presume that they... So I know that if they've done any other scry effects, you put them aside. Mm -hmm. So if they scryed early in the game, you put like, the bottom card. And they put it in the bottom, you put the bottom card aside. Correct. And I presume what you would do is you would take those two cards and just reshuffle the deck, maintaining mm -hmm. any other order. Mm -hmm. And then have them try one correctly this time. That is, uh, I guess I can give you a point for that. Sweet. Yeah, the, yeah. the major point to hit on there is to maintain the order of the deck. If they've scryed before, you ask them, have you scryed this game to the bottom at all? And then just maintain that order. So you're good. You got, you got, you got your first point. Okay. Question number two. Uh, you're walking around FNM, all judge like in your nice shirt and tie. You have a bowler hat now. Oh, nice. I yeah. just, I'm just gaining things. <laughs> uh, you notice um, in a player's hand that they have a Pokemon card. No, we won't say a Pokemon card. We'll say they, they have a, uh, a tropical island in hand. All right. And we're not playing Legacy? And it's a standard FNM okay. event. Okay. How do, you, how do you handle this situation? I actually know this one. Okay. Uh, you remove it. So if it's in their hand, they draw it, say. Mm -hmm. You would remove it, and they get to replace it with any basic land of their choice. So they draw it for turn, and they say Tropical Island. Yes. You're saying you replace it, and they keep it in hand? Yes. You're correct. Sweet. Okay. okay. You really had me doubting there. Okay. So you're, you're, two, you're two up. All right. That's you're not, not... I told you I could fudge around regularly. Yeah, yeah. You're not doing bad. Okay. <laughs> Here we go, though. Final question. Yeah. So... You are walking around FNM again in your fancy tie and shirt and bowler hat. Uh, you notice... I didn't get anything else? No. All right. <laughs> you notice that you are... That there is one match who only has one player sitting. You ask if they know where their opponent is. They say their opponent has not showed up yet. You look at the clock and it's five minutes in. At what point do, does that person win the match? I believe it's at 15 minutes is when... They get a game loss. Is that your final answer? Yes. 15 minutes is a game loss. Yes. We got him today. Jury is down a point. So the actual policy at FNM is 10 minutes late to a match is a match loss. It's a match 
lost. Okay. Yeah. If, and if they don't show up by the end of that round, they are dropped from the tournament. Okay. Yes. So, so they only get a match loss, and then they don't get a game loss at all at regular REL? Correct. All right. And jury ends the day, what are you, four for six? Yeah. Four for six four in for total? Six so that's far. not bad. That's the hard a, questions are... That's a, I, like, get in the general area of the hard questions, right? <laughs> that's Well, you're, like, a solid 65%. That's... That's a, a failing, D. Like, almost that's fine. a failing grade. That's fine. It's okay. I'll, I'll pick it up next next week. I have faith in you. And I guess with that, we will take our break for our event, and we will let you know how it goes when we get back. I'm excited to uh, see what kind of decks we're going to get. I don't know the 1993 to 1998 World Championship decks all that well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I guess, have we talked about the event much? I don't think we have. No, we haven't. Let's give it a short summary before we break. So, as we mentioned before, this is vintage, vintage. Um, someone has, Tavis, has gathered together the top decks during the 1993 to 1998 period and have put them in all unlabeled boxes. And basically, we're going to, he's going to hand them out randomly and we're going to get these decks and they'll have a little short written insert about the deck and how it's played and maybe a little bit of it's about its history and then we'll just run a tournament like this yep he's he's mostly interested in seeing how these things interact with each other from different early eras and it should be a it should be a fun time i'm looking to black vice out a few opponents i'm looking to not have a combo deck i don't know how <laughs> good well, luck with early magic i'm not i'm not sure how well i could pilot a a vintage 93 to 98 combo deck but probably not pretty well you're looking for that uh savannah lions yeah in there. give me the savannah lions the deck that runs savannah lions oh man Armageddon? Was oh. that? Was that yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me play the Savannah Lions Armageddon deck. I know how to play that deck. I, Christ. I, I'm a white weenie deck. <laughs> you, you play Savannah Lions, you blow up lands. Yes. They can't win. I'm, I'm about that. Sarah Angel? Jesus. I'm okay with Sarah Angels too. God. I want something disgusting. Something including uh, Necropodence would be God. would be the play. Tom. Dark Ritual Necropodence go. Okay, I'm okay, I'm okay with Necropodence too. I, I'm, as you know, I'm very... Font. Yeah, you can kill yourself that I'm way. Killing myself with That's perfect. I'm drawing cards, and so Necropotence sounds sweet. I'm okay with that too. Necropotence, draw 19 cards, pass turn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a game winning formula. Can't lose. Nope. All right. Well, with that, we will see you, lovely folks, after the break. Goodbye. See ya. And we're back. Uh, we've just returned from the Vintage Vintage event. Uh, I was actually in third place. I was running the reanimator. And that was a really good intro, Jerry. I just want you to know you're doing a great job. I'm trying really hard. Uh, we have Dylan here. How's it going? Hi, everyone. And we have our lovely de- guest here, Tavis. Would you like to say hi, Tavis? Hello. So Excellent. Tavis was the one who organized and set up all these deck lists. He even wrote a decent amount of these little blurbs. Um, which helped us to understand the decks, because I don't think a lot of people were familiar with 1993-1998 decks. Um, so we have him here to just kind of discuss the event and Yeah, and how everything went. Tavis, how long have you been playing Magic? Since 1995. That is a long time. I was yeah. two years old. Yeah. <laughs> I would not have been any good at Magic at that point. <laughs> I would have been terrible. I was 15. Oh, wow. What was, what was the set around then? 
Ice Age and Chronicles were my uh, first products. So, I'm this is a very simple question, but has much changed since then? I imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of power creep. Oh yeah. Back then, uh, every rare was worth five dollars. That sounds like a dream right now. (laughs) In a standard with an $80 rare, I would take that. Yeah. Rares were actually rare. Wow. Bulk rares, no such thing. That's weird. So, like, there were no just, like, five-cent rares? Nope. It'd be weird for the economy. I can't even imagine that. Commons were 30 cents. Wow. That's expensive for a common. Like, unplayable uncommons might hit 30 cents. Mm -hmm. Or playable uncommons might hit 30 cents. Yeah. To a dollar. Depends, but... Sometimes people struggle to get basic land. Really? I've, I've heard about that. Yeah. Like, they would write basic lands behind, like, moxes and things like that. Yeah. Just because basic lands were hard to come by. That's crazy. Did they not sell, like, packs? Was it only in the booster packs? I think uh, so. When 4th edition was around, lands only came in starter decks. Wow. And they sold a lot of booster packs because if you had your land, you didn't want to buy more land. Wow. I can't imagine a shortage on basic lands. That's, that's insane to even think about. Yeah. But, uh, I guess we can move on to the event. Uh, Jerry, what deck did you pilot? I piloted The Reanimator by Alan Comer. You want to tell us a little bit about this deck? Yeah. Um, so I guess the idea is you reanimate things. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah believe it or not, you reanimate a reanimator. Um, you use Bizarre Baghdad is probably one of the most integral parts of the puzzle because it lets you ditch your reanimation targets into the grave and yeah. also find like the reanimation spells. I saw plenty of like exasperated sighs at your turn one Bizarre Baghdad. Like, yeah. That is not what the opponent wants to see. Yeah, there is quite a few on the other side of the table just turn one Bizarre, discard things, get back a Krovis in. Yeah. Like, at that point, you just dig through your deck at such a rate that it's ridiculous. I I, I did a turn two Nicol Bolas, uh, swing in, get in for seven, make my opponent discard the hand. That was that was pretty much it's game. Disgu- that's just disgusting. Don't even hang on to the Nicol. Just throw them away for one turn. Made them discard their hand. <laughs> turn do. two. Seems fine. <laughs> so what did you play, Dylan? I played, in quotes, the modern deck uh, by Brian Weissman. I'm not actually too familiar on the history of this deck. Uh, do you know more about this deck, Tavis? Like the kind of meta that it came around in? Well, uh, Brian invented the the school of thought that was really sort of a control idea. Okay. Um, he played a lot of lands so that he wouldn't have to discard his counter spells. Mm-hmm. And the idea was just to keep countering things. And uh, one of the things that he did was... He minimized his number of win conditions so that he hmm. could maximize his other counterspells and yeah. things. It's really interesting to see, like, this was so early in Magic, but he was so forward-thinking mm-hmm. with things in the control deck, like playing enough lands to actually find them on time and seeing four or five lands in your opening hand not being a bad thing. Right. He played a lot of lands uh, yeah. compared to other decks of the time. And I know uh, people are still confused nowadays when you see control decks with only one or two win conditions, but it's all it needs, really. Yep. And in this wonderful deck, the win condition is a pair of fireballs, which could not just be more beautiful. What better way than to just time walk and... and Recall and regrow turns and turns and cards and cards and then fireball your opponent out. That's mm-hmm. that's a beautiful win condition. So I heard something about Mirror World. Oh yeah, is that main board? Mirror World. Mirror Universe. Mirror Universe. Mirror, mirror Universe. That card you don't even know. The the main board Mirror Universe felt so good. I I be- with the fireball win condition. Yeah. It just 
Alright, makes it a little bit easier, I imagine. Yeah. For the unaware, Mirror Universe is an artifact that costs 6 mana, and basically says, tap it and sacrifice it on your upkeep to change life totals with your opponent. Which, when your opponent's beating you down, they just cringe to see that your life totals are about to be switched. You might have to uh, research the history of the way that the game worked back then, but originally you could go to zero life, oh, really? and you would not lose the game until the end of the step. Oh. Yeah. So you could mana burn yourself to zero life, switch life totals, and then pass turn. That's disgusting. <laughs> just absolutely crazy. Wow. Mirror Universe sounds just like an absolute beating. That, that was another yeah. win condition. Yeah. Yep. Did you ever see the, how the, those old images of how this like stack and interactions oh, yeah. work? They're literally dungeons. <laughs> they, yeah. they format them to look like dungeons and how, alright, someone casts an interrupt, what happens, what's the procedure, and it magic's yeah. come a long way since then. Yeah. It's crazy to think that through that, people people got in whole games in the time of a match, like in just 50 minutes finishing this control game. I struggled to finish one game in our, in our match time because I just had to grind out recursive ancestral recalls and things like that. Being really familiar with it would help. And, oh, yeah. 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 All sure. the decks tonight were surprises for everyone playing them. It was oh, yeah. kind of luck of the draw there. So We had some great decks out there. I, I just dodged getting to play Necropodence. I was so close to trading with Scott, and it turned out he actually did get Necropodence. I would have loved that deck. Necropodence is a good card. I, I played against someone who turned one Necropodence and just filled up their hand and always had seven cards, and oh. I was just... I think I actually won that game. Bizarre Baghdad and, and Nicol Bolas is still pretty good. Yeah. Believe it or not. Beating out Necropodence. Alright, so, Tavis, is this... I'm, I'm assuming this isn't the first time. It sounds like you've done this event before. How many times this have you is done the, this? This is the second time I've done this event. Mm -hmm. uh, the first time was with nine decks, and this time was 14 decks. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, learn anything new about how to run these things? No, it went great. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would completely agree. I saw a lot of people out there having fun. A lot of people just just being absolutely disgusted by Gorilla Shaman, which is what you want to see. It's That card was such a beating. Blowing up Moxes for one mana. Crazy times we live in. Crazy times. Can we talk about Jamie Daytone for a second? Oh, can we talk about Jamie Daytone for the rest of the show? We could. I would like that. <laughs> Beautiful old Jammy Day Tome. It's it's crazy to see that as a role player. Like uh, on one of these handouts, it was like, and cards have to be powerful enough to compete with Jammy Day Tome and Necropodence and Ancestral Recall. Like those three cards are all on the same level of power. But it's crazy. I saw you play it once, and it seemed it seemed like. Yeah, it like, did a lot of work. He played it against me. He drew card turn after turn after turn. When that and library both. Oh yeah, the library Jamie Daytone combo. That was when it when it works. It's really sweet. Yeah, it's just it's it's easy to make fun of, but man, can you ride a Jamie Daytone to victory? You'd be surprised. Um. So Tavis, uh, what gave you the idea to run this kind of event in the first place? Well, I like playing Vintage, and there aren't a lot of people around that have decks to play Vintage, mm -hmm. so I decided I'd make a bunch of decks myself and just have everyone play. Yeah, what better way to get people to play than put a deck in front of them. Exactly. For sure. Yeah, Vintage is... It's an unfortunate format, because it's so fun and I like it, but the barrier to entry just tends to be difficult. Huge. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Tiny bit. Like, Magic Online has helped with that a little bit. Yeah. Like, cards are not the same price. I think it's like 10 ticks you can get. Power 9, maybe they're like 20 ticks nowadays. Right. Yeah. They've been a little bit more lenient on printing those out in yeah. uh, 
online format, the digital format. But it's, it's, it's good that Magic Online can give a format like that a home uh, and nowadays where it's not too easy to play vintage in person. And Magic Online gets around the reserve list oh, with, the, yeah. with the no reprint policy. So Exactly. Do you, oh, should we ask, is this a taboo topic? Do you have a, an, an opinion on the reserve list? Hmm, I don't really. Collector? No, I, I don't really have an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. It's got good things and bad things. So. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. And I know, I've read wizard statement of, statements about it, and they're very, very specific that it had to be done at the time it was done. Collectors, and I, I, I feel for them, collectors would have just dropped off the game, and it could have just died there. That could have been that. But they did what they did to keep the game alive, and we're still here now. Yep. Yeah. Any any closing thoughts for us, Jerry, since you gave us such a wonderful opening? Hey, I, that was my first time giving an opening. You did really well. You say that very sarcastically. Maybe in like three or four more podcasts we'll let you do the opening again. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll practice. I'll, I'll do it in my spare time. I'll sit in front of the mirror and open our, our show here. That's good. Um, Not really. I just... Thank you, Tavis. This was a lot of sure. fun. I very much enjoyed it. Um, my yeah. deck was... Definitely a learning curve, but I think I think I had it at least I had it a little bit down. Like yeah. I, I like playing it a lot, and this is from someone who's never played a reanimator type deck. Mm-hmm. It was super fun to play. Like this whole thing was just a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we're still pretty new to this podcast thing, but if you have any feedback for us, we're always very open at our Tumblr, friendlymulligan.tumblr.com, which I'll plug right there. But seriously, we're open to suggestions and comments and feedback, so please get back to us. And thank you so much, Tavis, again. For You're welcome. Show. Yeah, thanks. Of course.